0: Welcome to the Connect Community Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. We're so glad to have you with us today. If you're ever in our area, come see us in person. We hope today's message inspires you and helps you live better. All right, we started this series last week titled Moving Mountains, and today's part two of it. It's a series really about faith, um, but I want to start with a confession. I have a confession to make to each one of you today. The confession is this. My office desk where I work is a mess. It's a mess. It's been a, it's been a little bit of a... Uh, it's been in chaos since probably October last year. And it's organized chaos, though. It's, it's how I operate in seasons. And I have piles, short piles. On the left, I have a book that I'm going through and a notepad. Over here, I have my laptop. In the front, I have pens and stamps that I use. And on the right, it's every single piece of paper that comes through the mail, forms, everything. And I have two piles, a personal pile and a church pile. And I uh, decided last Monday, enough is enough. I got to clear the clutter. I have to look through and go through this. And so today is the day I'm going to get take care of this because it's getting ridiculous. So, it was too much. (laughs) So, this is what I realized when I went through the pile of papers. Half of the stuff I had already taken care of. Half of the stuff I had already taken care of digitally. I don't know if this happens to you, but it happens to me. I get a piece of mail. I make a mental note. I have to pay this, or I have to do this, or I have to do that. And then I do it digitally. But I like getting the mail, because that's how I process, right? And then I do it digitally. And half of the papers didn't have to be there. And my question to you is, do you have a drawer or a closet or maybe a room with lots of things that don't really need to be there? Things that have no real use that you're holding on to. See, we all have things in life that look useful. They look essential. And we think we need them. But if you're honest about it, they're just taking up room. What in your life right now might be just taking up room? Is there a habit? Is there a toxic relationship? Is there an occupation? Is there a subscription that you've signed up to and it's just taking up room? Whatever it is, it might be hard for you to let go. It might be hard for you to say, I don't really think think I need this anymore but if we're going to see the hand of God in a greater way in our lives if we're going to see this year 2023 be a year of change be a year of transformation be a year of growth in faith there, there, there are things that we need to let go of. There was a time in Jesus's ministry when he and his disciples were going back and forth from Bethany to Jerusalem. Bethany was a small village outside of Jerusalem and It was about a 45-minute walk. So they would go to Bethany, spend the night, sleep, wake up in the morning, and go into town. So if you guys work, for those of you who work in New York, Jesus was a commuter too. (laughs) He lived out in the suburbs and went into Jerusalem, at least for this season in his ministry. It was about a 45-minute walk. I wonder if there was traffic on the walk. But one morning, they were walking this two-mile trek between Bethany and Jerusalem, and Jesus became hungry. He had been praying all night, and he got up in the morning, and he got hungry, and they were walking, and they saw this fig tree from a distance as they were walking. It was a, a, a fig tree, and it was full of leaves. It looked beautiful. It looked as though it was loaded with fruit, because the leaves are a sign that the fig tree should be loaded with fruit, and So Jesus got close, and he began to shuffle through the fig tree to find something to eat. And he could not find a single fruit. And here's what Jesus said to the tree. Mark chapter 11 verse 14, he said, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him. And so Jesus went into town. He got to Jerusalem. He flipped some tables at the temple. He got some money changers out of there, if you remember that passage. And in the next morning, they're coming from Bethany again to Jerusalem. And this happened. We'll go to verse 20 of the same chapter. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. This is a unique miracle in Jesus' ministry. It's a unique miracle because it was not a healing, it was not a demon deliverance like we saw last week. It wasn't a resurrection. It was not, it was not a blessing, at least not to the tree. It was a curse. And when, when he's asked about it, when Jesus is asked about what just happened, he goes into this lesson of praying with faith and moving mountains. And then he talks about forgiveness. Forgiveness. So what does cursing a fig tree, praying with faith, and forgiveness have in common? Why did Jesus connect the three, and what does that have to do with moving mountains? That's what we're going to explore today. So let's start with the fig tree. Now, Bethany was in the vicinity of another place called Bethphage. And scholars believe that it it was likely a place that had several fig trees everywhere because Bethphage means house of figs. So why this tree? Why this one tree? Well, we know from the scriptures that it was the week of Passover, and so the week of Passover meant it was spring, springtime, early in spring, and figs don't really give figs until fig trees don't don't give figs until summer. So it was too early for figs. Everybody knew that. And when fig trees, but here's, here's the thing that, that uh, we don't know because we generally don't have fig trees growing everywhere on the side of the street here. But fig trees in spring, when they get their leaves, they have this little bulb called tuckwash. And a tuckwash is the sign that the tree is going to get a fig right there in that spot so these are edible and it was common for passersby by to stop by and eat them when they were hungry now it is likely that this tree was one of the first trees to get their to get its leaves in early spring and so Jesus expected to find in that tree what that tree was meant to do every tree is meant to the primary reason for that tree is to bear fruit Right? I mean, sure, it can provide shade and other things, but the primary reason and purpose of a tree is to bear fruit. What good is an apple tree that doesn't give apples? Is it even an apple tree? Or an orange tree that doesn't bear oranges? Can we even call it that? So, when it comes to the fig tree, a leafy fig tree loaded with tuckwash means lots of fruit in the summer. And that's what Jesus was looking for. But a leafy tree, tree a leafy f- fig tree. Try to say that three times. Leafy fig tree, with three, t- with no tuckwashes at all, means no figs in the summer, and that's that was the state of of that tree. The fact that Jesus could not find a single tuckwash in the tree was evidence that that tree was barren that summer that there was not going to be a single fruit that summer. And this is important for us to understand. Because the tree wasn't barren because Jesus cursed it. Jesus cursed it because the tree was barren. Does that make sense? It, it wasn't, it wasn't Jesus' purpose to curse the tree because he was hungry and he didn't find fig out of season and he said out with you, you're dead to me. You should have, Jesus wasn't being entitled to a fig out of season. He was looking at a tree that was supposed to be producing and he wasn't going to produce. And he said, you're as good as dead. And so with this simple adjustment and understanding, we learn a very valuable principle from our Lord. And here it is. There are things in our lives that look like that fig tree. From a distance, it looks fruitful. From a distance, it looks healthy. From a distance, it looks necessary. From a distance, it looks promising. But when you examine it closely, when you take time to go through the branches and the leaves, you realize it has no fruit. And if it has no fruit, It has no purpose. And if it has no purpose, it is as good as dead. What in your life right now is taking your energy? What in your life right now is taking your effort, your attention, your focus, but it's giving you nothing? It's leaving you dry. What dead weight are you carrying? Maybe these are concerns, worries, distractions. the lesson of the fig tree is this. If it doesn't bear good fruit, you got to kill the root. You have to kill the root. And when Matthew writes the story, he writes that the tree withered from the root. And when Peter saw it, he was astonished. He said, Master, Rabbi, look, the tree you cursed has withered and, and it's dead. And then Jesus replied, Have faith in God. And this is the second thing we're exploring today. From that that moment, Jesus said, have faith in God. You see, because sometimes we put our faith in the leafy fig trees of life. Sometimes we put our faith where we shouldn't. Sometimes we get confused about who actually or what actually sustains us. Sometimes we get caught up in the routine and the seasons and the processes, and we forget to remember that our faith belongs to God. See, you can run through a process long enough. You can run through a process enough times that your faith begins to cling to it. It becomes the object of your faith. You know, you got to get the client, and you got to deliver the service, and you got to send the invoice. And that's how you get paid. You know you got to clock in. You got to do the work. And you got to clock out. And that's how you get the check. You know you got to get the order. And then you process it. And you ship it. And that's how the money comes in. Whatever your process is. Whatever your method is. You get through the cycle long enough. You get through that process long enough. And your faith will start to cling to that thing. You will live for that. You will seek that. And you will even fear losing that. And there's nothing wrong with earning a living. There's nothing wrong with working hard. There's nothing wrong with dreaming, with aspiration. Go for it. It's honorable. It's appropriate. It's, It's part of our purpose. But whatever you put your faith in is what you're going to live for. What we put our faith in is what we live for. And the moment our faith attaches to that thing is the moment when we will be unwilling to see it for what it actually is because we'll become dependent upon that thing. And it'll become a problem because we won't let go of it even if it becomes a problem. Even if that thing becomes a problem in our lives. See, I experienced this problem very recently, actually, in my life. I have had to deal with this dichotomy. Because I was looking for, uh, or I was looking into this opportunity that three of my friends encouraged me to uh, look into. They encouraged me to try, and it would have been a very difficult process if I got accepted. And it would open so many doors of opportunities for our family, for uh, the church, even for Stanford. Um, and so after praying for a few weeks and months, I felt peace about it. And I decided I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to try it out. I'm going to start the process because I can see the possibility. And then I, I started seeing the possibility. And then I went a step further. I began to dream about it. It's like, man, if this, if this happens, there's so much good that can, that can come out of it. And, and now for a few days, I'm envisioning it. I'm seeing how it can mirror with the church. I'm seeing what it can do for our family, for the team, for everybody. And the faith that I have for what can happen in my life begins to get dependent on this opportunity. And I begin to think, maybe this is God's way. And, and, and so this now that I want it and I'm dreaming, this has to happen. Have you been there? Where you go from it's in God's hands. My life is His. He has my future too. This really needs to happen. Because all of the other things depend on this thing now. And if this thing happens, then everything else will happen. But if this doesn't happen, all that I see, <laughs> done. So last Tuesday night, I'm, told, I'm telling you, this was very recent. Last Tuesday night, Tuesday night, I got the news, it was not going to happen. I got rejected. Have you ever been rejected out of something that you really wanted? When I got the news, I told Alini, "Well, we were praying for God's will, and here it is. And I know He's in control. I know He's in control of our lives, and our steps are ordered by the Lord. But, and I conf- I confess that. I confess that on purpose. I confess where my faith lay. I confessed." What I believed, but I was very tempted. I was very tempted to finagle my way forward. I was very, very, very tempted to go around the rejection, to talk to somebody who could change the decision, to go in and try to make a way, make it happen on my own strength. I don't know if you've been there. I know God is in control, but. I got to have that thing, God. I, I have to have it. It has to happen because it's the only way. And if I don't have it, all my dreams are over. It didn't get to be that dramatic, but it could have. Friends, I'm not a quitter. I don't quit. I'm persistent. Keep going. And Alini can tell you, like, if I care about something, I don't quit. I just I keep going and... I believe that if God has His hand on it, it's going to happen. And uh, this is the reason why we're still here, growing in Stanford, Connecticut. But every positive can produce a negative. And persistence, persistence can quickly turn into stubbornness. We can quickly become stubborn when we have our faith in the wrong thing. If you put your faith in the wrong thing, and that thing becomes what you really depend in or depend on instead of the Lord, your persistence can turn into stubbornness and you won't be able to see that you actually need to let go. And what I'm telling you today is what God ministered to me this week. So it's fresh bread. It's fresh manna for you. The real loss in those moments of rejection, the real loss in those moments when you don't get the job, when you don't get into the school, when the boyfriend doesn't propose, when the girlfriend doesn't say yes, the real loss in those moments is not the rejection. The real loss in those moments is not the lack of fruit. The real loss in those moments is not the leafy fig tree. The real loss is putting your faith in the wrong thing. The real loss is putting your faith In the thing that you think will give you what you want. I'm repeating the words of Jesus to you this morning. Have faith in God. And have faith in God alone. You know what happened to my heart in that situation? The moment I put my faith in the Lord and I let go of the expectations and and the, the mild disappointment I felt, I didn't need that thing anymore. I didn't need it. Having faith in God aligns your will with God's will. And that's what Jesus is teaching us. Of Having faith in God allow, allows us to, for, for our will to become His will. And in that, in that way, our faith begins to grow. And when we pray, as our faith grows and as our will aligns with His will, God will begin to move through our hearts. And our prayers will begin to move mountains. Now Jesus makes something else clear here. Because his cursing of the tree is not out of revenge. is not out of impatience. is not out of intolerance for the tree because the tree is barren. Jesus wasn't lashing out at the tree. And Jesus brings a subject in this teaching. That seems like it's out of left field. He's talking about moving mountains, and then he says, When you stand and pray without doubt, and you're praying and believing wholly, forgive. Wow. Why would Jesus bring forgiveness into the conversation? I think it's because when we talk about moving mountains, in other words, when we talk about big problems that need to be solved when we talk about issues that we're facing that are too big for us, when we talk about unfruitful things that need to be removed, inevitably, you think of people, right? I mean, it's very probable that some of you associated some of the parts of my message to a relationship, somebody. Someone that you're dealing with, a person, someone you know. And Jesus is saying, this is, this is not to be done in anger. This is not, this is not a, a, a way for you to see revenge or dissension or animosity or strife because when you put your faith in God He becomes the source. He becomes the source of your hopes and He becomes the source of your dreams. Jesus becomes the source. So even though someone else might have stolen from you you realize well they can't steal from God and God is my source. They can't steal what God has for me so I can forgive them. Even though someone might have wronged you, they can't wrong God. And they cannot wrong what God has for you. So you can forgive them. Even someone might have abused you, they cannot abuse God. And they cannot keep or stop what God has for you. So you can forgive them because they are powerless over you. When you, have, when you put your faith in God, you can have peace with people. And so maybe you know, your husband is not acting right, and I'm picking on the guys on purpose. Maybe your husband is not acting right. You can put your faith in God, knowing that God will make a way for things to be better, so you can release and forgive your husband, because he is not the source of your happiness. He is not the source of your future. God is. And this is not a independent thing. This is a, a faith thing. As close as and as, in, as intimate as you might be, as you draw near to each other, you got to keep your perspective that that person cannot replace God. Your faith belongs to God and that will free you to have a great marriage. People at work are not recognizing, recognizing your efforts. You feel overlooked. You feel forgotten. Well, you can forgive them because your faith is in the Lord and God has not forgotten about you. He has not overlooked you. He can lead you to His promises and His ha- He has you in the palm of His hands. Having faith in God releases you to forgive. It's, it's, it's a weight of Freedom. And you can say, J.D., I have some people in my mind right now, but they really don't deserve my forgiveness. They don't deserve it. And I say, maybe not. But is it, is it even forgiveness when people deserve it? Can you call it forgiveness if the person deserves it? Forgiveness is for the undeserving. That's why you forgive. Because they are at fault. Because they are guilty. Because they are in the wrong. That's what forgiveness is for. Forgiveness is for the angry dad. Forgiveness is for the judgmental mother. Forgiveness is for the bad friend. Forgiveness is for the selfish boss. Forgiveness is for the cheater, the thief, the gossip. Forgiveness is for the one who wronged you. And forgiveness comes with a reward. Jesus makes a promise here to every single one of us. He says when you put your faith in God and you stand to pray and you forgive people instead of cursing them like that barren fig tree, which is really what we want to do sometimes. But we forgive them. When you forgive those undeserving people, God Almighty will forgive every single one of your sins. You will be forgiven. And that is the promise. So I want to challenge you today to let go of unfruitful things. Stop putting your faith on things that are yielding nothing. Let go of those things. Number two, have faith in God that will align your will with His will. And number three, Forgive others, friends and foes. Forgive those closest to you and forgive the ones you've never met. And I feel like we live in a generation that's unlike any other generation that has ever lived on earth. And that's a fact. I doubt that in Jesus' day, offenses came from strangers more than they came from people you would know. Nowadays, you get bombarded with offenses from people you've never seen. The people you know are not really the ones offending you that much, but the moment you open an app, the moment you read a headline, the moment you watch a speech by people that you might have not even met, it can hurt your feelings. It can really offend you. So I want to encourage you. Sometimes we think of forgiveness for people that we know that we interact with, and then when we watch something online or we see something that's been curated to actually get on our nerves, we lash out at that thing. Let me encourage you to keep your heart pure. Keep your heart pur- pure and forgive. Forgive those people. Forgive those idiots. Forgive the ignorance. Forgive the anger. Forgive. Really, forgive. If you're a liberal, forgive the conservatives. I mean it. It's important. Politic- po- politics have gotten so uh, uh, polarized in our country. It used to be that politicians would have the freedom sometimes to even change parties. John McCain was notorious for that. Right. At times he would be a Republican. Sometimes he would be a Democrat. Because the the the, the parties would interlock and and almost overlap their purpose. But now we're so far apart that it's so easy for us to allow the political spectrum to dictate the way we live and sometimes even to dictate our gospel. Let's not do that. The gospel is greater than any party. The gospel is greater than politics. So if you're a liberal, forgive those conservatives. If you're a conservative, forgive those liberals. If you're a Republican, forgive the Democrats. If you're a Democrat, forgive the Republicans. If you hate politics, forgive the people who love it and make you miserable sometimes. (laughs) Forgive. That's the promise of God, that if you let go of unfruitful things, if you place your faith in God, and if, you're, if you forgive everyone who has done you wrong and you pray with faith, you will see God bring begin to move in your life and you will be able to see mountains be moved. Do you receive it this morning? Amen. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for listening today. If you have a prayer request, a question about faith, or would like to find out more information on Connect Community, visit us at connectcommunity.org. Don't forget to subscribe and share. See you next time.